We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Welcome back. We haven't done an episode for a while, so pleased to be back. Joining us today is Eric Laurie, Performance Analyst and Academy Coach at Malda in Norway. Really excited to have him on. I've been planning this one for a while. We talk about analysis in the youth game, analysis in the program, how to get better at analysis and what steps to take in terms of professional development as well. So really excited to get Eric on the show. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. At Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. This podcast is brought to you by Wildcard. 90% of coaches struggle to engage athletes and parents beyond game time itself. Wildcard is the industry's first social and admin platform for teams. Traditional apps are usually administrative and not really used for the players and kids themselves. But with Wildcard, you can engage via virtual challenges, team channels, game reports and player stats. They just launched a new parent mode feature, which allows coaches to group players and parents so that the parents are up to date on everything and the parents will enjoy and love that engagement as well. There's a special promotion on at the minute. You can sign your team up in April and get the product for free. No hidden fees at all. Wildcard is easy to use. The whole team setup takes approximately two minutes. Not hard at all. I would strongly advise you check it out. Download the app for free now in April. www.wildcard.com w-i-l-d-k-a-r-d dot i-o i'll also put the link in the information for this podcast as well so please check it out www.wildcard with a k dot i-o really really appreciate them teaming up with us on the podcast please check them out here is eric enjoy eric thank you so much for joining me today on the modern soccer coach podcast really really excited to finally get you on yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, we connected a little while back, and it's uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Everyone, I'm sure, is aware of your work. Like you do an unbelievable job, and we'll come to that, and we'll talk about the social media content and uh, and and some of the work you've done there. But I think tactical analysis, just my opinion, and it's that it's gone really mainstream in a positive direction in recent years. And Monday Night Football now, my whole timeline is just full of tactical analysis stuff it's brilliant it's really associated with the professional level um and sometimes i think we can get away from what it can bring to the youth side of the game in your work and in your philosophy or and your just general views of the game at the youth level as well how important is that tactical analysis piece of, of youth development i think first first and foremost it maybe depends on the level you're at um you know, there's from grassroots to academy. So uh, maybe you want to be a little thoughtful in your in your process there. 
Uh, I personally am working in an academy, so maybe different type of players than than other other people are working with. But um, at the same time, I, I think it can be useful at all levels. Uh, I think um, you know, you know, a working definition. A lot of people would use. Uh, you know, the uh, and tactical analysis or analysis in general is to maybe to focus on the past to affect the future. Um, you know, wh- how can we enhance the learning of? How can we enhance the players' learning, their understanding of tactics, their understanding of decision making, and stuff like that? So, and also, you know, a lot depends on how you're going to use it as well. Um, I personally, and I think a lot of people I've spoken with in the past, prefer, you know, reinforcing the positive instead of uh, bringing up the negative. Of course, there's a place, a time and place for both, but I personally prefer, <coughs> you know, bringing bringing up the positive stuff and uh, trying to reinforce that. Um, and like I said, it de- depending on the level, the, the level of the youth you're working with, you know, a lot of this, a lot of these players are, you know, they're, they're trying to become professionals. That's, that's their end goal. And if, if they're going to make it that far, then it's, it's probably good for them to, you know, to have, have worked with analysis before and not just, uh, you know, turn 18 19 20 whatever and then all of a sudden they're playing in the professional league of whatever country they're in wherever they're playing or maybe they're maybe they're joining a college and the college is quite good at analysis and it's they're already going to have they have to adopt quite a bit you know if if they have if they're used to the analysis and they've done that before it maybe maybe will be a bit easier for them in that way um i also think though as far as youth compared to the senior side you know, have to be you have to be a bit careful between the balance in in the team versus the individual how far how far you want to go to one way one side leaning maybe to the other uh that is perhaps maybe more down to the club that you're working at their their philosophies and how they want it to be done but um you know depending on the age as well maybe the younger they are the more individualized it is and as they maybe take the step up getting closer to the senior side and the reserves, it could be a bit more geared towards the team, the team side and the, the tactical stuff instead of the individual, individual actions. Yeah. that I, I love that piece there using the past to influence the future. I heard that before. Um, sometimes that that there has improved us or, or almost like shown us a little bit of uh a little bit of humility as a coach where sometimes we get this opinion of the game, right? But then when you look back at it, it's a completely different story. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of coaches' uh, experiences matches the same way. You're, you're there and you, you see something or you think you see something and then uh, yeah, it's, it's impossible to take in everything. So may, maybe maybe even the opposite of what you said. Maybe you think somebody had a, a poor match and then you go back and watch and okay they did they did actually quite a few good things there that we didn't uh, see maybe it was on the far side or maybe we're looking at something else off the ball and they you know so there's definitely uh definitely like you said it's important to go back and, and look at everything over again mm. have you been was tactical analysis obviously saying that it's, it's become mainstream and it's pretty cool probably in the last few years but You've you've moved into that side quite heavy. Is it always something that's that's fascinated you? Is it the side of the game that you've naturally moved towards? Um, I would I would th- I would say it's it's becoming more and more interesting for me. Uh, having uh, I, growing up in the United States and uh, 
I, I never played in these the club soccer that they have now and stuff like that. So I, I guess I never really had too much, too many coaches that went too deep into the tactical side. I, I it could be different, you know, for a lot of kids now. But um, I didn't really have a, a lot of tactical knowledge by the time I started coaching. Um, and then once once you start coaching and you start start just trying to improve yourself, then that's that's one that's one way to go and one one thing to look at. And like you said, it's the it's starting to become more and more influential, and you see it more and more on social media and stuff like that. And I think that also has a has had a huge impact on me personally in the way you know everybody's going to be different interests and drawn to different things, but the all the stuff that we've you know seen all the websites with their tactical analysis and stuff like that is, you know, I just, I've been interested in that. And uh, I think it's just a combination of interest and, you know, what's out there and always trying to learn more. When a club has a structure and you, you mentioned before about, it depends what the aim of the club or the level of the club's at the analysis. So let's just say it is to the goal of the club is to produce elite slash professional players. And let's just say they have, the facilities slash the budgets to, to to put analysis into both staffing and um, equipment and all that good stuff. How would you advise a club or where do you think in the weekly processes analysis kind of fits in towards training and match preparations towards that age group of like 14 through maybe 17, 18? Yeah, I've, uh, I, I know there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different ways to go around about this and I've, I try to I try to connect with other analysts at other clubs as much as I can. Whether it's uh, you know maybe maybe we're playing against a team and I, I know the analysts on the other team or you know like you said social media and Twitter and stuff like that. It's a lot of a lot of helpful people out there who are willing to willing to share. Um, so I I would say I would say um, again going back to the other question, finding the balance between individual and the team depending on depending on the level depending on the age i think you know that's going to be different for everybody but finding finding that balance is really important um i also think like you said you know if you're at that level where where you're trying to develop the players to make it to the top um a lot of a lot of clubs probably have in place you know some sort of a, a game model or a, a club philosophy and i think it's, it's probably pretty important to to try to tie, tie the analysis up with that. <clears throat> as far as you know, if, if you're working on different phases of the game, how how that should look within your club's philosophy, within your club's game model. Um, if um, if you if your team if you you know different KPIs for each match, or it's the same for individual. If they you know if you have if you're working with uh, individual development plans for your players, try to tie the analysis up with that. So. You know, on a on a week week to week basis, it's just, you know, I think you kind of have to feel feel what, you know, there's really no blueprint to uh to going about it. And I think as soon as maybe as soon as you try to set a blueprint for that, then then that's maybe where you get in trouble. You know, you always have to be ready to adjust and ready to ready to try something different. Um, <clears throat> I also think at that level, perhaps it's. You know, this is also going to be different from club to club. But I would personally say that um, you know the, the analysis of your own team and players is way more important than than doing an opposition analysis uh, at the, at that age and that level. 
you know, we're trying to develop the players. And of course, maybe there's always, you know, again, a time, time and place for looking at the opposition, but, you know, we're trying to probably implement our own style and develop the players in the way we want them to play. And that's done by focusing more on ourselves instead of the opposition. And, you know, there's also, um, you know, if we're going week to week, if you have a, a little extra in between matches or if you have, you know, depending on if you're a coach or an analyst full-time or maybe both, it's always always nice to maybe take some take some analysis of training as well if you if you have that possibility to get get some of the training sessions filmed particularly on you know on uh, maybe a day that you're going to play big big sided matches or something like that so there's there's lots of different ways i would say you could structure the weekly thing and it's just uh you know there's no right or wrong it's just what whatever works best for you and, and your club and you know always trying to always trying to find something new there so last week, uh, I'm sure you saw the De Bruyne uh, contract negotiations where he brought in the data analyst. I think I, I did a webinar a while ago on, and I started it with like just interviews of players and, and how I believe players are talking about the game in a different way than what they were 10 years ago and how we must then shift environments towards giving them that maybe at a younger age and, and growing that there, almost like education. Do you think that that the player, that the top tier player today, who's operating at you know the professional standard, do you think that they need to have that you know understanding of practical analysis in their game? You know, and, and that is that going to be developed, I suppose, in the same way technique or strength is developed. Um, I, I think uh, I, th- I definitely think if they want to make it to the top, like you know, like we've said, it's probably going to be important for them because. If, once they get, you know, most likely to the professional level, it's going to be it's going to be more demanded of them, and they're gonna they're gonna need to be prepared for that. But at the same time, you know, I, I, people and players, young players, everybody learns in a different way. And I, I've experienced personally before, you know, some some really some really top top players who aren't particularly interested in, you know, maybe particularly interested in the analysis side, but you know they. They can do it in different ways, but more maybe just discussions in a, you know in a, in a player meeting, and they don't don't always have to show them show them stuff. But uh, you know, other players, you know, top good players, they you know they, they soak it up, and they they know they seem to know a lot more. And I've experienced before where you know I'm sitting down with a player, and they <clears throat> you ask them a question maybe, and they give an answer, and it's just you know something okay. I, yeah, I didn't I didn't see that myself, but. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right there. You know, there's, there's the players are definitely uh, taking steps in the tactical side. I would say. Dan Abrams tweeted that coaches need to have a plan for player engagement as much as you do learning and performance. I think it's huge that when it comes to analysis and data, that the coaches today have to present it in a way that players will want to receive it, consume it, look for more of it. Um, what are some ways that that you think a, a coach could build some level of engagement rather than sitting a player down and did, you probably did what I did, a coach sitting and making you watch the whole game again when you were younger? How can coaches get you know presenting a little bit more of a of a, an enjoyable way? Um, this is this is maybe one of the things that I I try to have the most focus on. In you know in my 
in my daily work. Uh, you know, I've, hopefully by now when I'm looking back at the matches and analyzing them, I I can see. You know, hope hopefully <laughs> I'm hope that I'm finding this stuff, and you know that's not the problem there. The problem is how are we gonna how are we gonna share this with the players, and how are we gonna make them understand this? Uh, so that's something. There's just uh, that's just continuous development there, and how how we can present this, how we can improve the presentation, and how maybe not necessarily even even uh, improve it, but just change it. You know, because it's there's no. I don't think there is a, a best way to present. <clears throat> just depend. You know, every player is gonna. You know, there could be a player who wants to sit down and watch the whole match, and they would want to talk to you for the whole entire time. But there could be another one who only needs to see two to three clips and then then maybe they're done so it's it's just a continuous change in how you're going to present it uh variation in the presentation like i said you know just some maybe sometimes you're gonna maybe sometimes it's necessary to use you know the illustration tools and draw some arrows here and there <coughs> use some stops and stuff and sometimes maybe just you know let let the clip run and let the players see it without you know stopping every five seconds um the length you know I, I try to be i think most coaches try to be cautious of you know how long they're going to have if they're going to have a video meeting how you know try not to let it run too long like you, you know don't always just sit there and tell them what you see but you know let let them ask questions and you know I, they're on the field they're the ones who they probably see a lot of stuff and know things that that we don't know what's going on you know let let them explain what they see and what they think so I think you know, yeah. There's definitely a lot of ways to to uh, improve the way that they can receive it and consume it. But I think that's, like I said, that's something something that I personally am always trying to find work work on and try to find new ways there. Also, yeah. you know, if you keep if you're just gonna even if you think you find the best way and you continue with that, it, then that's that's gonna be boring after whatever two three months. Yeah, the more access you have with the players, the more challenging that is. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you think it's also it can be quite challenging for an analyst to try and maybe an issue with uh, with coaches today trying to get a bit more engagement, especially when it comes to the data side of it and the numbers side of it. How do you think an analyst can? I suppose if they're coming from a different, if, a, if it's a former player and maybe you're coming from a different background and it's more of an academic background from the analyst and looking at the game a different way. What are some ways that an analyst can can build that relationship or even that credibility with a coach who maybe doesn't see the game through those eyes? Um, I, I personally don't work too much with the, with the data side, so I, but I can see, I do know there's quite a bit of resistance perhaps maybe at some levels in, in, in interpreting data and how that's going to be used. Um, <clears throat> at the same time, I also am been working as an analyst and a coach, so I, I guess it's a bit easier to uh, to 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 make that connection there. Um, but of course, to have that to have that connection with the with the coach, if you are working just as an analyst, it's it's you know it's maybe just as simple as building that relationship and the trust the trust with the coach. Uh, I I. I can say probably when I started working as an analyst, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I was going to show a, a coach, you know, that they, maybe they were working on their build up that week and they, they wanted to, you know, find some clips of the build up to show after, 
then I maybe thought it was necessary to find 10 clips just to say, okay, you know, I'm seeing this, you know, and finding the same thing 10 times in a row. So just to try to try to prove your point, but uh, obviously they don't want to show the team the same clip 10 times over, you know, same variation of the same clip. So I think building that trust, you know, when, when you know, this is what I see showing, showing them one to two clips and they trust, you know, that, okay, that's, that's what's happening. That's what we need to, that's what we need to continue with or that's what we need to change. So I think, um, you know, just like I said, that, that trust with a coach is, is quite, quite important there. And, you know, making sure, making sure you're both working off the same, the same uh, understanding. Maybe you, maybe you don't see the game the exact same way as them, but try to see, try to see it from their point of view and what they're looking for and what, whether you agree or not, what they, what they want out, out of that. Focus, concentration levels. You hear a lot of coaches today probably complain that uh, the players don't have as much today. You know, like you mentioned there about the the timing that you, you have for meetings. Well, they can't retain as much information or their focus levels aren't as strong. Do you think coaches have uh, perhaps gone in the same direction with the way social media information consumes today? Do you think coaches are a danger of of maybe not stepping deep enough inside understanding and detailed information and getting absorbed in that? Um, I think, I think the, you know, I think every, everything that we, that we see on social media for the most part is, is shared, you know, with, it's with, with the best interest and, you know, the development and everybody's just trying to share their knowledge and, you know, their love of the game and this. So I think I, I would want to maybe be a bit careful to say that, to say that that would be hurting anything because that, you know, I think it's, like I said, it's all done, all done, you know, with trying to help and, and increase, increase knowledge. So, but, but then again, you, some of the stuff that you, some of the stuff that you might see, it looks and it sounds good, but then, you know, if you have to, you have to look at it a bit more, maybe a bit more critical and compare it to, to your own way that you're seeing things and not just take everything that you read, everything that you see, for granted and that is right you know maybe you know if you break break it down a bit more does it really make sense what you're seeing does it you know if if you're seeing for example there's a lot of a lot of you see a lot of uh a lot of training sessions you know sharing and that's great you know i get a lot of ideas personally from shared sessions and stuff but i you know maybe take some critical some critical questions and think to yourself you know what if, if you're looking at a somebody wants to make the somebody wants to make the pitch a different shape, you know, ask yourself why, you know, is, is, is that necessary? And maybe it is, maybe it's not, but see, see why they're doing that. If it's not explained and, you know, you know come like it, and it, it should be all, whatever you see on there, it should all be adapted to your own personal philosophy or your club's philosophy, not just, not just take it, take it for what you see. But I, I definitely, like I said, I wouldn't want to be too critical of, of, of that, um, that side of the game that's increasing because I think it, I think it's quite useful and that you can get a lot of, you know, there's a lot of coaches who have said in the past and personally, I, you know, most stuff is just stolen, you know, ideas and thoughts are just, you know, you're not, you're not just going to reinvent everything. So it's, it's good to get those ideas and, and new, new, uh, just refresh. Yeah, no, I would, I would never, and obviously it would be pretty hypocritical of me to have a quote anyone who's been posted anything on social media. The people that, and I appreciate people like yourselves that, that post 
for you to, I suppose, take that information, an abundance of information, shrink it, make it smaller, dress it up, whatever it is, and then present it in a different way and get engagement. There's a skill in that there. The, the piece that intrigues me uh, is actually not from the people that are putting it out, because I, I, I honestly believe that for every bite-sized information you put out, you're probably putting about 30, 45 minutes. The depth is there. The skill is there in condensing that. What intrigues me is that for, for the coaches sitting watching that, are we actually spending less time watching the game? You know, when you, by, by constantly watching the highlights on social media and our streams, are we actually, I don't know, conditioning ourselves to, to see a different, to, to see the game a bit more superficially? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. I, um, I, I know what you're talking about. I personally, it's not, it doesn't always work out what I, you know, if, depending on depending on the game and depending on what I, I want to get out of the game you know that I'm watching I, I would say a lot of times I'll just try to try to set my phone to the side and you know not look not look at it and um you know of course that depends on on the game and what else is going on in my house or wherever I'm at at that time so it, it doesn't always work out but you know sometimes if I if I know I'm gonna have that two two hours free you know peaceful and free then i will try to try to set the phone aside and uh you know maybe take some notes or whatever whatever i'm trying to get out of the game there so i i do know what you mean and i think uh, uh everybody's going to watch the game differently so it's just just up up to you how you want to watch it i guess but I, I know what you mean for you for you to, to watch a game and and obviously you watch it at a high level in terms of the detail for you to to sit down i mean it's a pretty general question, right? How does an analyst get better at what they do? Like a large part of it, I would imagine, is to train your eye to watch as many games as possible. Is that something that you've refined over a period? Like, do you watch a game at high speed? Do you slow it down again? Do you put the photo? How do you watch a football match? That that it, it, that again depends on the match. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm gonna watch uh if I'm gonna watch a game, you know. For example, Manchester United game. Then maybe, maybe I put, maybe I end up get caught ball watching quite a bit, and you know, just sitting, trying to enjoy the game and not, uh, not too, too much tactically involved there. Um, at the same time, you know, like if I if I'm gonna watch back one of my own team's games, then you know there could be a lot of stops and starts and pauses, and you know, probably watching it two times over, three times depending on depending on the match. Um. Yeah, I. Th- I. It just depends on the game and uh, you know, my the circumstances around me at the time when I'm watching it. If you had a group of young analysts who are twenty, twenty-two years of age and saying, "All right, listen, step one, would you?" I mean, now we're in this remote world. Would you give them like? Would you set it a number of like? Is it quantity over quant quality? To a certain extent, or is you're looking at certain things. I guess I'm trying to ask you what the what you feel would be the starting point. Would the starting point get you watch as many games as you can, or would it be to to start looking at the game in a in a certain type of way? Um, I think I, I've I get this question sometimes, and it's, it's difficult to answer. I think I th- just like just like anything, um, anything in life, probably you know you're gonna get get out what you put into it um if you if you want to 
if you want to be better at analyzing matches, you know, there, there's just, there's no, you, there's no end in learning there. There's always going to be something new to learn. There's always going to be something new to see. Um, uh, there's, there's endless, endless amounts of websites and webinars and courses you can take that can improve your, improve your knowledge. And, you know, like you said, the more matches, the more matches you watch, the, the more focus you have while you're watching a match. If, if, if you want to, if you want to watch a match and, you know, maybe take notes when you're watching it, maybe even, maybe even oftentimes I will watch a match the next day that, you know, maybe I didn't watch it the day before, but then I have access to it when it's recorded. So then if I wanted to understand some more, you know, tactical, tactical concepts from what happened, then it's easier to, you know, just, just like I was my own team or something like that, just sit down, having that ability to stop and pause it and record, or I mean, rewind and see things over again. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of different ways to, to improve your knowledge and understanding. Like I said, it's, it's, it's never ending really. So there's, you just got, you just have to, the more you put into it, the more, the more you'll get out of it. Has, has merging your analysis with coaching, has that been a big help for you to almost decipher between what's useful, what's not, and get a better understanding as to what you can transfer? Has that helped? Has that helped you become a better analyst? Has analysis helped you become a better coach? Uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely for me personally of, a good benefit to have uh, both sides. Um, I think, I think uh, I've definitely seen in the past different analysis or different ideas. You know, uh, and then you think as a coach, maybe you know that's 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 maybe not going to work actually in a match, or maybe 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 they're not taking into consideration the type of players or the you know. the that they have at each position, you know, if, if somebody's going to watch, for example, watch back a professional match and give their analysis of the match yet, you know, we don't know personally how these players are in training or what they're working on or exactly why they're doing that. When we're looking at coaches today, again, that are preparing to be ever, it's a very competitive business, uh, analyst analytics. Do you think people who are, a bit more closer to the grass that can see that understanding and see where it merges. Is that going to separate, I suppose, an analyst in their career path or help them? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, like you said, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to be out on the grass and you're going to be with the players, some, some, sometimes when you're coaching, you know, a lot of times you are analyzing while it's going. So, so maybe in a, in a training session, for example, you have a stop in the play in between matches or in between, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're doing that day. And it's important to, you know, a lot of coaches know it's important to listen to the players, how they are, how they're feeling, how they're seeing things, what they're interpreting. So, and you know, maybe if you're just working as an analyst, it's, you don't have that picture of the players You know, a lot of analysts, maybe I personally have never played at a high level either. So it's, it's, it's fantastic to hear what the players say and how they're, interpreting situations and what, what they're looking at and what they're seeing. So tying the analysis up with the coaching is for me personally, definitely, definitely been a big help uh, for, for both, both, both sides, both parts. 
This podcast is brought to you by Wildcard. 90% of coaches struggle to engage athletes and parents beyond game time itself. Wildcard is the industry's first social and admin platform for teams. Traditional apps are usually administrative and not really used for the players and kids themselves. But with Wildcard, you can engage via virtual challenges, team channels, game reports and player stats. They just launched a new parent mode feature, which allows coaches to group players and parents so that the parents are up to date on everything and the parents will enjoy and love that engagement as well. There's a special promotion on at the minute. You can sign your team up in April and get the product for free. No hidden fees at all. Wildcard is easy to use. The whole team setup takes approximately two minutes. Not hard at all. I would strongly advise you check it out. Download the app for free now in April. www.wildcard www.wildkard.io I'll also put the link in the information for this podcast as well. So please check it out. www.wildcard.io Really, really appreciate them teaming up with us on the podcast. Wanted to get your thoughts on this. Something that has been a social media topic. It's brought. It's came up a few times, and it's always. I've always been interested in following it. It's been coaches that are in the analysis community that are sometimes encouraged or discouraged from sharing free information. You know, when you're building your name, you should always. You know, you should get your worth. But then you see people like yourself who who give a lot of content out. Uh, you know, very very regularly spend a lot of time doing it build a good reputation around it and build good networks around it as well um what's your advice to i suppose to a young analyst who's looking at you know do i should i charge for this should i do work for free should i how should i plan around that how should i maneuver around that space yeah that that is a good question um i think um it, it you know depending on depending on your personal situation like for me personally i'm i i'm working as a coach and analyst so it doesn't um a problem for me to to share stuff for free online uh, the re- i guess the reason i would do it is just for my my own personal improvement uh, a lot of times a lot of times the stuff that i might share is just something that I'm working on, something that, uh, you know, anything that you share, or anything that you create, you, you, you have to, for the future as well. So whether you can implement that at your own club or just, you know, improve your own knowledge, it's, that's, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Um, um, you know, it, it, like you said, it can improve, you know, the, the more, the more stuff that you might be sharing, you can, get in touch with some interesting people or, you know, maybe, maybe somebody might contact you and share something back with you. And so there's definitely a lot of different, a lot of different uh, ways to go about it. So that's, that's a difficult question. It just, it, it, it depends. It just, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff it depends on. U S coach working uh, abroad in Europe at a professional, professional club. 
again we talked before we start recording it's a it's a unique pathway and not a lot of u.s coaches uh, have, have done that there what are some areas that that you feel that moving to europe has challenged you to develop or improve in your time over there i would i would probably say first and foremost is just the just the understand the tactical insight the, the understanding of the game uh, but at the same time, you know, that's also going to come with experience. So most of my, most of my career has been spent in Europe. You know, may, maybe if I had spent the first 10 years coaching in the United States, that same tactical, you know, understanding might've been developed as well, but I've definitely would say, uh, you know, the, the, the younger players, like, I, like I said, I haven't spent a lot of time working with young players in the United States. So. It could be the same there for, and I don't and I don't know this, but the players who, you know, they grow up playing only one sport, and that's that is football, soccer. Uh, they don't spend any time training or watching anything else. So, for me personally, that that part is definitely something that I have developed here. Um, maybe maybe another one of the bigger bigger things I would say is putting putting myself, putting yourself into some uncomfortable situations. When I, when I first started doing some coaching here, it was mostly with younger players, you know, maybe some under eights, under nines and under tens. So at that point it was necessary to, to speak the language, to speak Norwegian. Uh, and at the same time, I wasn't extremely good. So just with anything, putting yourself into an uncomfortable situation is most of the time going to turn out good and improve you, develop you. Uh, so I would say those two things maybe, maybe has developed me most as a, as a coach since uh, moving here. How long did it take you to get a hold of the language to be really confident? Uh, I would, it's still not quite there yet. I guess, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think I'll ever be, 100% confident in it, but I mean, all, all of my coaching, all of my communication with players is done in, in Norwegian right now, so it's uh, it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. Uh, any areas, specifically in Norwegian football, that you think would transfer positively to the U.S. soccer landscape? Like, if you could take one thing from the, from the football landscape in Norway and say, if we could do more of that in the U.S., I think it would really kick on either teams or players. Um, like I said, I have I haven't spent too too much time working in the United States as a as a coach in in the in that environment, so it's a it's a bit difficult difficult to compare. Um, but I, and, and again, this is maybe a sensitive a sensitive topic for you know a lot of people, but I think. I think that that value of, you know, all the clubs, all the clubs in Norway, they have, it's, it's a club from, you know, under, under five to the first team. And I think, I think that I really think that's positive is for the players to have that, uh, you know, when they're, when they're joining us, uh, the club that they're, they start at when they're from the time they're five until they're up to 18, 19, you know, they're always, always wanting to play for the first team, whether, whether that's a grassroots club or, 
or you know a team in the top top division second division they have they have something to aim for you know something something to you know a team to go and watch a team a team to grow up supporting so i i it's just something different with the culture that i i really really found uh positive here i'm sure a lot of u.s coaches reach out to you on a regular basis just for advice and and stuff like that what what do you what advice do you have for for young coaches who are keen or or have that ambition to work in around the world or in or in europe specifically uh like you said we we spoke a bit uh a bit before before we came on in there my, maybe my circumstances aren't the same the same for all all american coaches uh, i don't i don't know if i would have been in the situation i'm in right now if uh, if it wasn't for family reasons so you know it's but uh if if you have that desire and you have that uh and you want to get out there then i you know there's not nothing wrong with exp- trying to get that experience around the world trying to get that experience in europe uh maybe it's not always so easy to come by but um I, I, it's it's hard to give any particular advice but uh you know if that's something that that they're interested in something you want to pursue i would definitely you know definitely try to try to go for that it's every 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 situation is going to be unique so you still follow the american game then you still keep an eye on things over here oh yeah de- uh definitely every every you know st- staying up late staying up late in the middle of the night to watch the national team is uh a, a typical typical for me <laughs> all right brilliant our last last couple for you um you give so much in terms of like a your information, uh, a lot of thought-provoking stuff on social media. Where do you go for for your own sources of information, inspiration? Uh, what do you read? What do you watch? Uh, uh, you know, there, there's again, this is a question. Maybe there's endless, endless amounts of answers. There's podcasts. There's websites. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, particularly under the the circumstances where now there's a lot of great webinars. Yeah, um, there's Twitter is a fantastic resource. I also personally try to try to take as many courses as I can, whether that's you know through the federation or you know through through something uh, an online module or something like that. Just you know, always trying to find, always trying to find a new course like that. Um, it's just whatever whatever you can find whatever you can find with that information is just to, to soak it up and uh, look for more. Yeah. Well, what have you taken over the, the lockdown then? Anything that jumps out at you that, that was a really good experience? Uh, yeah, I, I took, um, there was a few, you know, I, I watched a lot of the webinars that you provided. Uh, there's uh, a lot of good stuff on the coach's voice. If mm. you're familiar with them, yeah. Uh, took a few a few different courses. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard of the Barca Innovation Hub. Yes, I saw that there. You, yeah. How was that? Yeah, that was there's you know there's some good stuff there. Uh, the tactical analysis course, and <clears throat> I think I think when you take courses like this, you know, I've, the United Soccer Coaches had a has a nice performance analysis course as well, but you know when you take courses like this it's important to to 
keep your expect, you know, don't, don't have too high of expectation. And nothing against the courses, but you know, there's, there's, they're not going to revolutionize the whole entire way you see the game. You have to, it's, it's always just to take a little bit from everything that you do and, you know, try to implement, implement that into your own, your own daily work, your own philosophy, you know, nothing, nothing is going to be extremely new the whole time you're listening to it most likely. So it's, uh, just take take whatever you can get from everything everything you do. Last one for you. You mentioned about watching a game. Maybe you're watching it for fun, and then obviously as an analyst, you're watching games for work. Is there a team, or what team do you watch for a bit of both? What team do you watch? You know, is it with an analyst eye that you really really enjoy? What are the a top two or three teams that that you never miss? Uh, I haven't missed haven't missed many. Manchester United games in the last, God, it's been a long time. Yeah, uh, and at the same time, like you said, it's it's for a bit of fun, but then uh, then you get uh, you know you get your own ideas and your own analysis going there as well. So, and like and like I said before, every, every U.S. Uh, the men's national team games, there's uh, you know maybe maybe I don't watch it live, but I'll be for sure to watch it the the next day recorded if i if i missed it live that day eric top class uh on behalf of i know all the the coaches in the community uh we really appreciate your your work and your your commitment to to getting great stuff out there so thanks for that thanks also for coming on the podcast uh we'll definitely keep in touch with you and, and really enjoy following your journey i can uh, say the same for you it's uh you know i've been following your stuff for a long time so it's uh, a pleasure to be on thanks thanks for having me Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.